Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for commercial real estate intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us today. This segment is brought to you by Commercial Agent Success Strategies. It is the ultimate training for commercial agents. Check it out at commercialagentsuccess.com. Well, today we have an incredible show for you. The show is on tariffs, and I'm calling it tariffs. Are they terrific or terrible? And uh, we're going to look at tariffs and how they're impacting the economy, how they're impacting commercial real estate, and hey, really, should we care about tariffs? Uh, and, and are they terrible? Or in the long run, are they beneficial? And, and how and when will commercial real estate tenants be impacted? And which sectors in commercial real estate should we think about related to tariffs and how they might be affected, which ones might be affected the most? I have two of my most favorite guests on the show today. First, please welcome Mitch Rochelle. Mitch is a partner with PwC. Mitch, thanks for joining us, sir. Thanks, Michael. Um, when you said you had two of your favorite guests, I was hoping that I was one of those two. <laughs> Would have been awkward if I was the third. <laughs> you're definitely one of them, and uh, we appreciate oh, you. Thank you. You're, you're, you're too kind. <laughs> we appreciate you being on. So first of all, Mitch, uh, if we're in a commercial real estate world, should we really care about tariffs? Is it a big deal? I don't know that it's just tariffs that you care about. Um, I think what you do care about as a commercial real estate um, entrepreneur, investor, service provider, wherever you are in the real estate ecosystem, I think you care about the economy. Right. So the question is, not that you asked a bad question, but the question is, what's going on in the economy right now and what, what role is tariffs or are the tariffs playing? And I think that trade is a big issue in the economy. And if you step back a little bit, we've seen um, countries become more protective, more nationalistic, and it's not just rhetoric in the United States. We're seeing that across other countries in Western Europe. And we've also been seeing over that same period of time, aside from the imposition of tariffs over the last, let's say, 18 months from the United States, We've also seen the Chinese economy contracting. So the, all of these moving parts are interconnected, and it's almost a five-dimensional Rubik's Cube. Such a thing does not exist, but you can't turn one side, if you stick with my metaphor, without it impacting the other side. Um, so if you look at the fact that the German economy is slowing, and we can unpack all of these things, if you look at the fact that we're now up to $16 trillion, trillion with a T, of sovereign debt around the world that has a negative yield. The other day I saw that the Swiss 50-year Treasury, their equivalent, we don't have a 50-year Treasury, but the Swiss 50-year Treasury security had a negative yield. So all of those are interconnected. All of those issues are interconnected. So coming back home, what does all of that mean for our economy? I don't believe that our economy is immune to all of those external forces. That said, 70% of our economy is the consumer. The consumer is ignoring a lot of this because they haven't felt it. And the consumer is chugging along and continuing to um, drive our economy forward. So the real estate is connected to the economy. The economy is still strong. 
So real estate investors probably don't have tariffs on their radar screen because they don't see the economy slowing down and real estate investors care about the economy. Right. Well, and our crowd, our listeners, our viewers are uh, very astute uh, on this show. And it seems like the ones that I talk to really are concerned about the economy. They are concerned about where we are in the cycle. And they're concerned with the big R word, right, recession uh, and in a downturn and when it might come. And it's like we all expect some downturn to come at some point, right? Uh, but our tariffs and, and some of these issues impacting that timing, uh, Mitch, what do you expect there? It's, it's complicated, and if you look at all of the data points we have, you know, I don't know when this is going to air, so I don't want to timestamp my remark, uh, but on a daily basis, we have a data point, whether it be a jobs report or an ADP report or PMI, you know, Purchase Matters Index, or um, ICM. I mean, there's so many different data points and weekly jobless claims. I can go on and on. I would say, not to mention retail sales, consumer confidence, consumer sentiment. If, if you look at those data points in the collective and not individually, the preponderance of the evidence suggests that our economy is still expanding and growing. So what is a recession? A recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. Um, in your backyard, uh, the Atlanta Fed publishes something called GDP Now, where they take every data point that's out there and they put it into their big model their, and their algorithms, and they project um, GDP. They're still projecting third quarter GDP to be above 2%. And, you know, it, it's, you know, it could go down to 1.9, it could pop back up to 2.2. So I don't understand why we're talking about recession when all evidence suggests that our economy is continuing to expand. Now, it's, it's expanding on the trend line. It's not exp expanding above the trend line like it was last year when it was in the 3% range. However, 2% growth is still uh, phenomenal. And especially when you compare it to trading partners like Germany that had negative GDP growth, the UK that had negative GDP growth both in the second quarter, and a massive slowdown of economic expansion in China, um, it's by comparison, we're still doing well. I think the R word has gotten a lot of attention because we're in an election cycle. I think the R word has gotten a lot of attention in uh, traditional media just because it's um, a business story that people concern themselves with. But the evidence doesn't point to it in the near term. And uh, the economists that I talk to regularly aren't signaling it. So um, it, will there be a recession? Of course, at some point. But it being around the corner, as some might suspect, doesn't look that way. Yeah, and I, I agree. All the economists and all the owners of large properties that I talk to kind of feel the same way that the, all the indicators are positive. Things look real good. Business is, is moving along. But some tenants are being impacted now uh, by tariffs, right? So are there certain tenants or commercial real estate sectors that you think we should uh, consider, the, consider related to tariffs? You know, I, what I would do is I would look at 
small business confidence in general because the job creation engine is small business and small business and job creation is the real fuel for real estate demand, right? More jobs need more space. More, more employees need more space. Um, so certainly there are sectors that are impacted in the short run. The manufacturing center sector could be impacted. Anybody part of the supply chain in steel and aluminum, because that's the first tariffs, lest we forget, that were imposed over a year ago. Um, importers, exporters. Um, the question that isn't entirely clear is if we, we, you know, we had that round of tariffs that hit on September 1st. There are more tariffs coming down the road. Um, we also have trade talks that look like, for the time being, they're back on track. Uh, one of the concessions that the Chinese want in conjunction with restarting trade talks is for us to uh, turn off the tariffs as a sign of good faith. The administration in the near term is, doesn't appear to be willing to do that. But if they can get the Chinese to the table, that's a possibility. I think it's not the tariffs, Michael. I think it's the uncertainty surrounding them that is starting to paralyze people. But to your question of which sectors, um, it's pretty pervasive that if the tariffs continue, um, it will start impacting all sectors. So let's say you have a software company. You wouldn't think, as a tenant, you wouldn't think that the software company is impacted by tariffs. But if the customers of the software company are, in fact, impacted by tariffs, and the tariffs are something that can be passed along to their customers, then that software company is going to have less disposable uh, corporate income to spend, which may mean, um, I mean, their, their customers may have less disposable income, which may mean that they have less money for upgrading technology. So um, our economy, which is a service economy, 70% of our economy is services. Let's remember that those service companies do, in fact, service the other 30%, which is the manufacturing piece. Um, and import-export is a service. So buried in that 70% are those companies that just import and don't make. So um, I think it's going to be pretty wide, the impact, if this continues and uh, we're finding ourselves dealing with, you know, 25% tariffs on imports. Well, before we let you go, Mitch, is it worth it? Is this short-term pain for long-term gain? Um, the answer is China's economy, which grew at close to double digits for many years, assuming you can believe their GDP numbers, has grown dramatically. And multiple administrations, so I'm not pointing fingers at any one presidential administration, talked about the tariff, I mean, talked about the trade imbalance and talked about some of the other issues with China, uh, intellectual property theft, forced transfer of intellectual property, and nothing was really done about it. So the question is, if you do believe that China's growth and China's prosperity is, has been at the expense of American business, um, and there's another side of that argument as well, then you would be willing to endure the short-term pain if, in fact, there was a possibility of long-term gain. So um, my view is that um, fair trade is good for growth in both economies. And right now, it's not clear 
that our trade with China has been bilaterally fair. So um, if this is an effort to improve fairness on both sides, then it, then it could be worth it. But what's been challenging for business is the uncertainty with the tariffs are on, the tariffs are on, the tariffs are on, the tariffs are on. Mm -hmm. That's been very, very hard for business owners to navigate. Yeah, uncertainty uh, is uh, not good for the economy or commercial real estate. Well, Mitch, uh, great information as usual, sir. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Michael, always a pleasure, and I think I'm heading down your way uh, in, in a month or so for uh, Emerging Trends, yes. and I'm looking forward to be back on your air and in Studio One delivering the results of the Emerging Trends in Real Estate 2020 report. Exactly. I'm looking forward to it. See you then, Mitch. Thank you. All right. Cheers. All right. Well, stay with us. We're going to have more on uh, tariffs and the impact on the economy and commercial real estate. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for intel, forecasts, and strategies. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Well, today we're talking about tariffs and what's the impact on the economy and commercial real estate and, uh, and our tenants, of course, will impact commercial real estate. Please welcome my next guest. It's K.C. Conway. He's the chief economist with CCIM, and he's joining us on the phone. K.C., good to talk to you again. Great to be back, Michael. Hope you survived the Labor Day weekend. <laughs> uh, yes, I did. Well, uh, let's ask you about the impact right now. I mean, we do have some tariffs in place. There's a lot of talk about tariffs. We've seen it kind of uh, fluctuate the, the market, the stock market, if you will. But uh, is there an impact now on commercial real estate? Uh, are, are you seeing it yet? Great, great question. Um, and I, uh, you know, the, the short answer is for the commercial real estate side of the market, I am, I am not concerned. Uh, that, that the, the tariffs and the trade war are what going to cause us a big indigestion problem there. There's some other bigger issues out there. I think, you know, how China deals with Hong Kong and what happens to the Brexit, I think, are more concerning. And uh, and really whether the, the Fed got their, their brains cleaned out and, and fresh air in them in Wyoming and whether they can get monetary policy right or what concerned me. But let's look at what kind of triggered all this. So it, it kind of started – you know, with the Fed in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and, and, and Jay Powell's, you know, making the statement that there's no roadmap for trade wars, and I about fell out of my chair. You know, I keep a new running list um, uh, for this year called, you know, the, the things I thought I would never hear, you know, like Bitcoin's a safe haven. Well, the one from Jackson Hole, Wyoming was there's no roadmap for trade wars. Uh, well, if you go back to the 1920s and 30s and the Smoot-Hawley Act of 1930, there, there are roadmaps. And Generally, trade wars combined with currency wars are, are not good things um, if left unchecked. So, you know, they, I don't want to downplay that they're not, they're not relative. 
irrelevant. So that concerned me, and I think that triggered the stock market to go nuts, thinking, oh, my gosh, our our central bank doesn't know what to do with tariffs and trade wars. Um, the second thing was we got a new reading on the ISM, and so in August it fell below 50. So traditionally we think, oh, my gosh, it's below 50, the economy's contracting, manufacturing's going to bleep. Um, and so everybody started to freak out about that earlier this week um, on that end. So a couple of things, though. We got a new piece of economic data this morning. We got the ADP uh, private payrolls, and guess what? Every sector is producing jobs, including manufacturing. Manufacturing was up even 8,000 jobs in August. So the sky is not falling yet. Uh, the net impact to the consumer is about 10 to 15 percent. Um, I, I anecdotally have my um, wife's mom's group get together once a once a month for for lunch and find out what's going on in their thinking and where, you know how they're spending and not one of them could tell me whether guacamole prices went up or uh, whether anything they're consuming or back to school prices went up and most of that stuff came from China so I don't think the consumer yet has really seen an impact uh, we saw a really brilliant idea come from Target yesterday uh, that their their way they're going to deal with the prices is they're going to force all the price increases down on suppliers, and uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be real curious to see how that plays out. I, I imagine Walmart is having a good chuckle about that one because I don't think the Target's uh, suppliers are going to be too inclined to help them with their supply chain this, this fall and holiday season. <laughs> so we're seeing some dumb ideas and overreactions, but I don't think the tariffs are, are something to be concerned about from commercial real estate. It's not going to impact warehousing. In fact, it's actually helping warehousing. What we're seeing, what's happening is many manufacturers and suppliers and even retailers are stocking up on their warehouse space, um, trying to avoid supply chain disruption and cost increases. So we're actually seeing warehouse occupancies rise, uh, and this has been affirmed by recent CBRE and Collier's and Fishman and Wakefield reports on logistics. Um, Collier's reported, you know, for the first time we've got a nationwide warehouse vacancy rate below 5%. we got asking rents for the first time over 6 bucks. CBRE told us we've got a backlog of over 170 million square feet a year of, um, of unbuilt um, e-commerce warehouses. That is about a three- to five-year trend there. So I, I don't think we're going to see an impact there. I think the states, if you look at the states that are probably going to be most impacted, are those that do manufacturing, particularly relative to autos in aerospace where you use a lot of steel or um, components that come out of, um, come out of Asia. So those in, I call it the Alma region, and that's Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Arkansas, and then up into Tennessee, a lot of automobiles being made there, and then throw in South Carolina with BMW and Boeing and Volvo. Those states with heavy manufacturing in the auto and aerospace are probably ones that could see a hit. So I think when you talk broadly about tariffs and the impact, you've got to really translate that to local states and local uh, economies and what that workforce is. Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, um, none, none of those really broadly impacted by the tariffs for yeah. warehouse. I see. We're talking with Casey Conway, chief economist with CCIM, about tariffs and the impact. Uh, and, you know, I guess real estate, it takes a little bit longer to, to be impacted. It first impacts our, our tenants, right? And uh, when you look forward to uh, retail, retail's been on the mind of a lot of people uh, as a sector to, to watch. Uh, for volatility, uh, is might these tariffs impact uh, the holiday sales uh, coming up at the end of this year? Yeah, no, I think that's a valid question. I think it will likely accelerate some more retailer bankruptcies and store closings, um, because if they either can't pass along the costs, 
and that really squeezes them further on their margins and they can't make their debt service because the, the problem with most of these retailers that are going bankrupt and closing stores is they're over-leveraged, they're debt-burdened. It's not Amazon and it's not online sales growth. You know, we're only at 10% of the economy. If you look at retailers that are really killing it, a Walmart, a Target, a Lowe's, a Home Depot, their online sales activity are growing like mad. Their grocery online are growing. Um, but I think those that don't have a good online strategy and platform and the technology that these tariffs could probably squeeze them a little more and probably over the edge. So I would look that as these tariffs continue that um, some we may see a, an acceleration in retailer bankruptcies. Uh, we've, we've already seen a few of them already here this year from a small one like a, a Gachi in Austin, Texas, um, you know, to, uh, you know, Toys R Us is gone. We've got, you know, even all greens closing some stores. So I think it could create, um, you know, more acceleration what we see on the retail front, whether they can pass these prices along or whether it squeezes their margins. But I think as far as supply chain disruption, I think most of the retailers have planned ahead and they're able to source the toys and the merchandise. The question is, what's the price going to be, and how much of it does it take out of their margin? Right, right. Well, we all want our our gifts, right, for for the holiday season. It'll be interesting to see how much more we have to pay, and and how that holiday sales impacts people's thinking, right? The consumer sentiment, and uh, and just overall look at the, the what's coming down the pike for the economy. And, and one of the things that's really impacted commercial real estate in a big way is uh, construction costs. In some kind of cases, uh, it's been tough on real estate. In some cases, maybe uh, limited new supply. So what do you think the uh, impact from tariffs so far has been on, on construction costs? And what do you expect moving forward, KC? Yeah, so the tariffs haven't been the big issue on the, on the construction costs yet. Mm-hmm. The bigger issue is, and we just had another wake-up call, it's still spinning around on the East Coast there, a hurricane. So we've got um, Dorian out there. We've had five category three, four, or five hurricanes over the last two years. We've got Dorian, fortunately, did not do a direct hit on, on Florida, and hopefully he's going back out to sea without too much damage to the Carolinas. But that's really what's been behind these rise, this rise in construction costs. Um, labor's been sucked up to do rebuilding in Texas and Florida and the mid-Atlantic and the Carolinas. The materials have been in short supply. You know, things like sheetrock, you know, um, uh, we, we traditionally don't get sheetrock from China, although we did after Hurricane Katrina, and it had a few environmental problems with it, so let's hope we don't go there. But it's really these storms and rebuilding and hurricanes that have had more of an impact on the construction costs. We're not overbuilding. You know, we're not we're not building six, 800,000 apartment units a year. We're only building about a million, one, two, a million, one, and 1.2 million homes. Uh, we're not building a lot of office buildings, especially not on spec. We're not building a lot of new retail centers, <laughs> so it's not an overbuilding thing that's going on like we went through before 2008. Um, and that rising construction cost is really more a residual of the past five hurricane storms and and what goes forward. So uh, the tariffs, the things that's really affecting is the the steel that's needed in manufacturing, particularly auto and aerospace, and and then believe it or not, in some areas like hotel, a lot of the hotel packages. Um, you know, let's say like a Marriott or somebody uh, uses to put into their new hotels. A lot of those are are made the the, the faux furniture, uh, bathroom fixtures and whatnot are all made in Asia and sent over. So uh, we could see some some delays and maybe some hotels being delivered and maybe your room rate going up. But uh, the construction cost is less tariffs right now and it's more the rise is due to the residual of the hurricane rebuilding over the last two years. Yeah, that uh, has been a big impact and. 
we really see it uh, after a hurricane with this much damage uh, that uh, we just don't have enough construction uh, people in general to, to take care of it. Well, well, Casey, what about uh, the impact on the cycle? You know, is are the tariffs going to adjust your thoughts on the timing of our cycle? Uh, and where are you right now uh, on your thoughts there? Yeah, so my biggest concern, I mentioned this at the beginning of this year and really in the last year, that my number one thing that I was watching for whether we tipped into recession um, in, at the end of 2019 or 2020 was whether we uh, completed and got executed the, the new NAFTA 2.0 agreement known as USMCA. And it really was critical that Congress act on that before they went on their August summer recess. They did not. And uh, that agreement begins to fall apart. There are not extension deadlines in the agreement for Canada and Mexico after this year. So it was absolutely critical we passed that. That one trade agreement um, really unifies North America, Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. It, it solves a lot of problems with steel supply and agricultural movement and sales. Um, uh, that would be the largest trading block um, really in the world. And it, would, it really is something that terrified both China and Europe, and we didn't get it done. And now it's, I think gonna, Congress will come back. They're going to be demagogued into everything else uh, into the elections. Uh, nobody's going to let anything get done to give the other party a win or a victory or, or perceived victory. Um, so that's my number one concern. We didn't get USMCA done. That would have brought China and Europe quicker to, uh, I think, an agreement here. It also would have probably shored up some things that the tariffs are impacting, like like steel and, and some agricultural exports that we need, um, to, you know, to, to, to Canada and Mexico and, and around North America. So that was that was my number one thing. I think where we are in the cycle, we're 121 months. It's the longest recovery we've ever had. We're still a 2% GDP economy. The latest revision just came out uh, for the second quarter. So it was down from 2.1 to 2.0. I think we'll see a solid 2.5%, um, maybe a little higher, close to 3% for the third quarter. That's supposed to be the quarter that's the busiest because we're getting everything into the stores and warehouses for the holiday season, and then we slow it down after that. So I don't think we're going to see anything in GDP or jobs numbers that are going to show we're in recession. I think where we'll see it is when we start to get after the holiday season and we begin to get our first look at really what fourth quarter GDP or next year, what happens if we have an acceleration of retailers that went bankrupt and closed stores because of um, margin pressure on tariff prices and, and, and whatnot. If we see manufacturers have to say this is really starting to have an impact and now we're going to do some temporary furloughs and layoffs, but we're not going to see any of that in the data really until almost you know first quarter of next year. So I think we get through this year, 2% GDP economy. We're producing about 175,000 jobs a month through this year. That's down about 50,000 from a year ago from the 225 level. Uh, it's not horrible. We still have more job openings than, than unemployed people. Um, productivity, here was another good measure we got this morning. Q2 productivity was up 2.3%, one of the best readings we've seen on productivity. So there's a lot of things going on in the economy that are telling us, you know, if you look up, the sky actually is not falling yet. So uh, I, I think, um, uh, uh, you know, get the analyst uh, that I heard talking said, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's Rick Santelli and CNBC. You know, you need to go out and look up once in a while and see if the sky is falling. Uh, quit looking down at your feet. <laughs> and that would be my advice to the end of the year. It's not the time to take, you know, Probably broad aggressive risk, given where we are in the cycle. But I don't. I think even if we do go into recession, this is going to be more 
of a typical um, cyclical one that we see mm-hmm. because we don't have any of the excesses that we did and we saw, you know, in the, going into 2008-2009 recession. So after MCA, my second biggest concern is um, is capital for commercial real estate. I'm very concerned about the Fed being on this path now that they think there's only one monetary tool and that's cut interest rates to zero. We now have $17 trillion in negative yielding debt in the world. I still scratch my head as to why would somebody give them uh, their money to get less of it back going in up front. I sure wouldn't do that in a real estate deal, would you, Michael? No. <laughs> um, so I'm really concerned about the Fed. There's lots of monetary tools they have. Uh, it seems like the world's in this race uh, in this race to devalue their currencies to nothing. And um, so in that world, if you look at commercial real estate, commercial real estate is still providing a very attractive yield. You look at some of the best-performing yield yielding stocks in the market today, and they're REITs, the Real Estate Investment Trust. You know, they're, they're providing, you know, two and a half, three, four percent uh, dividends on the REIT stock, and they're very solid assets. It costs more to build them. Uh, you know, the cap rates are, you know, I think relatively reasonable where we are historically, uh, given what's going on in the market. So if I can buy something still at a five, six, or seven cap rate, I'm excited compared to a negative yielding bond. So yeah. I think, you know, watch, you know, we need to watch what happens um, to see uh, going into these elections. But I think if, we, if we're in the full, full steam ahead election mode, uh, in the markets trying to figure out who, you know, who's, <laughs> who's going to be on first base or second, you know, the, the Democratic field is, is narrowing, you know, quickly and quite a bit and a lot of concerns on, on you know, what candidates remain standing there. Um, you know, Trump on policies. I think when it comes down to the end and you look at the economy, he's been very good for us in commercial real estate, and uh, and uh, the 2017 tax act was good for us. So I think we're probably headed, you know, in 2020 or after the elections into a normal cycle recession, but I don't see it bad for commercial real estate. The the reason I worry about the Fed is that the Fed gets it wrong, and they disrupt the capital, the permanent capital markets, which is starting to happen now because of these negative uh, yielding bonds and uh, declining interest rates, the permanent market doesn't know how to hedge these loans, these permanent loans, until they go to securitization. So I'm already hearing that you know entities are pulling back, they're not quoting deals, and they're not taking on stuff. Or they're, or if they are, they're putting in floor rates. So we're not going to see two and three percent mortgage rates on a permanent basis in in commercial real estate. Um, and I think we could see some pullback there. Uh, the life companies are going to hold on to their cash. I think a little bit longer. Um, what they didn't get placed this year, I think they hold the next year, because that capital has come from selling insurance products or, or annuities that have a certain yield liability that they have to meet. And with the rates falling, they're better sitting tight and, and looking for something else, or you know maybe investing in a REIT stock. So yeah. I'm concerned that the permanent market, anybody that's out there or coming up in the market for permanent financing needs. Um, I wouldn't be sitting around. I would be trying to get those deals done now and not risk later in the year, early next year, because I think that's my, my biggest concern is we could have a, a CRE finance disruption that's triggered by the Fed with these um, reducing interest rates in the market, not knowing how to, how to price and, and, uh, and hedge permanent real estate loan debt. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. Uh, and you also have the, the Cecil uh, rules and rags coming down. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, commercial real estate debt could really impact the, the market. Well, KC, sir, thank you for joining us. Good information. Thanks for being on the show today.
Yeah, look up. It's the sky's not falling. That's it's still, right. It's still up there. Last good. time I checked this morning. We're good until at least 2021. Sounds good. In 2021, Take care, Michael. Sounds, Thank you for having me on again. In 2021, just sounds far away. It sounds like a futuristic movie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually not that far it's away. Like uh, with that, with that song, you know, in the year 2020, then in 2030, 2050, you know, yeah. or 2550. What's the world going to be like? It's like, you know, I don't know. Just enjoy the next week. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Casey. Have a great day. You too. Take care, Michael. Bye. All right. And uh, thank you uh, for joining us out there around the country and around the world. And thanks for uh, sharing the show and commenting on the show on your favorite social media sites. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com.